This is the Teacher Mindset Coach Podcast, episode number five. Hey, teachers, welcome to the podcast where we do the hard work to uplevel ourselves and have fun along the way. I'm your host, Ashley Wolf, and I'm here to help you rock your world with mindset stories, strategies, and skills that you've probably never been taught before. Let's do the damn thing. Today, we talk about feelings, emotions, warm fuzzies, cold pinpricks, and everything in between. I'm going to spend some time explaining the differences between emotions and physical sensations and how they can be connected. We're going to talk about where feelings go in the model when we look at a specific situation in our lives and we want to understand more about what we are creating with our thoughts. So let's begin. When we look at the model, and the model is the self-awareness tool that I love using with my clients and myself, emotions go in the feeling line. So if this is your first time joining me on the podcast, welcome. Thank you for listening. The model is a five-line structure where we plug in parts of a situation that might be going on for us so that we can get more clear on how we are thinking, feeling, acting, and ultimately creating results in our lives. For a free guide on how to create a model for yourself, join us in the Teacher Mindset Coach Facebook group at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash teacher mindset coach and then click on guides. When I was first learning about feelings, I started to notice how much I would say things like, I feel like she's not telling the truth, or I don't feel like going, or I feel like this is the right thing to do. All of those statements had the phrase feel like within them. Now there is nothing wrong or incorrect about that. But I was inadvertently reinforcing my thoughts as feelings. Let me say that one more time. I was inadvertently reinforcing my thoughts as if they were feelings. So if I approach the same statements and swap the words feel like for the word think, it helps me understand that these are sentences that my brain is offering me. They are not emotions that I'm feeling. It's a subtle shift, but very useful in separating them out. And again, this work is all about becoming more aware of what is going on inside of me, inside of you. So the phrase, I don't feel like going turns into, I don't think I want to go, or just simply, I don't want to go. Or I feel like she's not telling the truth turns into, I think she's being untruthful. I feel like this is the right thing to do turns into, I think this is the right thing to do. Notice the ownership whenever we say, I think she's being untruthful versus I feel like it's almost like this um, shirking responsibility because we're like, oh, it's this mysterious feeling of she's not telling the truth. But in all reality, that is a sentence that our brain is offering up to us as a thought. So we can make small changes to give credit to what's really going on. We aren't feeling these statements. We are thinking these statements. And thinking these statements will then lead to feeling an emotion. 
it almost takes some power out of the statement itself. There's past evidence in my experience that I look to and how I've utilized the word feel to validate my thoughts. I found that there can be this like leverage of the word feel or feelings because it's taboo and maybe even socially unacceptable, which is probably exactly what taboo means. (laughs) It's socially unacceptable, perhaps, to question someone's feelings, right? Because they're feeling them. It's so truthful. But is it? (laughs) So when a person says something pretty strong, like, I feel like you're not being truthful, it's almost implied that they're intuitive because the credit is given to their feelings, not their thinking. But the power decreases when the statement changes to, I think you're being untruthful. Do you see that subtle shift? The emotional leverage is now gone because we took out the power play of saying that we feel a certain way about someone or something when in all reality, our brain is offering up a statement about someone's integrity and we are choosing to believe it. Just because your brain offers you a statement does not mean that you automatically have to choose to believe it. The thought and the decision to keep thinking it are two different steps. So one of your tasks for this week, if you choose to accept it, is to become more aware, without judging yourself, of how many times you say feel like or feels like, and then express a thought, much like the examples I gave earlier. I'm not even suggesting that you eliminate this behavior just notice and be curious about it. Like, huh, well, interesting. I just said I didn't feel like going. Why did I choose that? And really, it's not part of like over analysis of yourself. It's just noticing. Because I'm sure if I started noticing this way more, I would notice how much I say that I don't feel like doing something or I feel like this is happening. It's just part of our like shared language as a culture. So once you notice these things about yourself, if you're going to do this task, ask yourself then, do I want to continue the work of finding the thoughts that attribute to my feelings? And if you're listening to this podcast and you've already subscribed, chances are you're up for this self-help challenge. So one caveat here, if I'm finding this in others, like if I'm like, oh, look, she just said feels like, and that's actually a thought, because this is something that in, in my vulnerability of sharing parts of my life with you. This is what I do. Um, And this is what I work on. This is my work to do. So if I'm finding this behavior in others, and I'm judging them for it, and then I, you know, start going on a rant of like how they should change, then I need to first look inward and get really curious with how I am doing the same behavior. For example, If I'm looking for evidence that a coworker uses the phrase feels like and I judge them or pick them apart for it and I get all high and mighty about how they're combining thoughts and feelings, I first need to remind myself that I most likely do the same behavior at the same exact frequency that they do. It's a very interesting challenge to be like, nope, you do the exact same behavior wolf and you do it the exact same number of times that they do and you're so annoyed, but look at yourself too. (laughs) So this is called mirroring. When we find something we don't like about someone else, 
there is a a huge opportunity to also find it in ourselves as a way of growing, not as a way of beating the shit out of ourselves. Please remember that. So that's another episode, of course. And my point is, use this for you, not against others. So now that we have talked about our unintentional combination of feelings and thoughts, using the phrase feels like or feel like, let's start talking about emotion words and how they can be described separately from physical sensations in our bodies. A physical sensation starts in the body and it moves up to the brain to become a thought or a string of thoughts. Hunger is one of those physical sensations for me that I used to grapple with the most as if it could like hurt me. (laughs) So for me, hunger starts at the pit of my stomach. It feels big. It feels empty and it swirls around. The physical sensation of hunger, which I have to remind myself is a neutral circumstance because I know it won't kill me logically. (laughs) It leads me to think, practice thoughts like, gotta eat, gotta eat now, gotta eat a lot, gotta fill up, where's the nearest water burger, I'm uncomfortable, I don't like this. So fortunately, I've learned several things about the physical feeling of hunger over the last few years. And for one, I've learned that, drum roll please, it can't kill me. What a concept. (laughs) I can sit with physical hunger and not react, not change my attitude, not say bitchy things to people, and I will still survive. I used to allow the physical feeling of hunger to be the reason I was late to work, had to stop for a bite to eat if I hadn't eaten anything in the one hour I'd been awake, or the reason I was yelling at my husband. Didn't he know that hanger was a real thing and totally out of my control? And the reason for overeating fast food, can't wait another hour to eat, must eat now. This podcast conversation can certainly be continued another time as I keep up my work with my relationship with food and hunger through believing new thoughts. So when an emotion happens for us, it starts in the brain and travels to the body, which is going to be the opposite of a physical sensation such as hunger, where it starts in my stomach and it leads me to think things. When an emotion happens for us, it starts in the brain and travels to the body. This is why so many behaviors can be observed when we are feeling intense emotions like love or hate. When we feel love, our body feels physically different. We act differently and we think different thoughts. When we feel hate, our body will look and feel differently too. And it all has to do with the predominant thoughts and beliefs that fuel these emotions. Remember, it's always connected to a thought. Emotions are a one word description of what's going on as a vibration in our bodies. The word and sensation are connected. So the word that describes it and the sensations we feel physically are connected, but we can separate the word out from how it feels in our bodies as we fill our our models in and write them down on paper about a specific situation in our lives. Feeling an emotion physically is super important too, because this is part of understanding not only how the emotion shows up for us, it also starts to help us understand that we have a choice in the matter. If we love how love feels in our body and we want to keep choosing love, awesome. 
We could also go so far as to say that we get better at feeling love in our bodies and we are so in tune with how it feels physically to us that we are experiencing it at a deeper level every time we try. Isn't this awesome news? I mean, could you imagine feeling a deeper love for yourself, your children, your partner, your parents, your family, or anyone else that you choose? It's possible and I highly encourage it. In the extra credit episode going live in a few days, I will walk you through the questions of processing emotions, the steps of processing emotions so that you can tap into this state of being and make decisions to choose it again, increase your capacity for it, or like hunger, allow it to be there and still have power over how you show up. So case in point, my work with feeling hungry, I can be hungry and still be kind to myself and others. So when we feel uncomfortable emotions such as hate or anger, we also need to increase our awareness of what's going on physically. Resisting and trying to avoid feeling these physical sensations attached to a maybe undesirable emotion is only like trying to push a beach ball that is fully inflated underwater and keep it there. The resistance will actually make the discomfort even worse. It will multiply the discomfort of the unwanted emotion. So you would ask yourself, for example, with anger, where is this showing up for me and my body? You remind yourself, it's just a vibration. It will not kill me. Remind yourself, I don't have to act or react because of the physical presence of anger in this moment. You can simply sit with this sensation and start to describe it. The point of this is to actually become more aware of it so you can make empowering decisions for yourself. So if anger comes up for me as a tightness in my neck and shoulders and face and forehead and my breath gets shallow and I can't stay still and I feel like there's a red swirling inside my chest, I can observe the way I describe it as a way of diffusing and separating myself from this emotion. It's like I'm the person watching in a science experiment. And because of this separation, like creating a little bit of space between what I feel physically and what I think of it, I start to see how powerless this emotion of anger actually is. Anger can be present, but I can also It can be put on the back burner or placed in a different compartment of my brain in order for me to start using my prefrontal cortex, which is the sophisticated part of our brains up in our our foreheads, to make decisions instead of operating from the fight or flight compartment of my brain, which wants me to react and increase the drama. (laughs) So how are emotions physically showing up for you? Are you describing thoughts as feelings or intuitions? And if you see a benefit to separating and giving credit to thoughts when you think them, instead of calling them feelings, will you do this work without judging yourself? You might start to really see more of yourself in your practice behaviors when you feel a certain way, and that's totally okay. 
It doesn't mean anything about you. So you name the emotion to tame the emotion. You start believing that you choose your emotions and that you can increase your experience of the emotions you want to feel. And that's part of the work that I would love to offer you. And with that, I'll close out this episode. So keep an eye out for the extra credit episode following this one in a few days where I guide you through the process of feeling your emotions, but separating out your decision making. It'll be fun. We'll see you next time. If you got something out of today's show, I invite you to subscribe so you never miss a future episode. I'd also love to see you in the Teacher Mindset Coach Facebook group so we can nerd out on mindset work as a community of badass teachers. And remember, you can always email me at coachwithwolf, W-O-L-F-E, at gmail.com. Now go be awesome. See you next time.